It's the end of the first week of the new school year, and this week was extremely busy. Uh, <laughs> this Tuesday, I sent my two children to school. Uh, my second child went to school for the very first time, and that was a struggle for the rest of the week. Um, and I also returned from sabbaticals. I went to a bunch of orientation events. I went to teach and meet students. And I am also receiving a lot of emails. And with that comes a lot of like home life responsibilities. So, you know, my kids have started music classes. So I also have to factor. Uh, their schedules along with mine and i've also started commuting back to work uh and the commute takes a long time so in terms of a mood check i am exhausted i had problems sleeping my mind just keeps racing um i just can't sleep and i think it's not a coincidence that my sleeping problems started again uh, when the school year started and honestly i'm just tired and i hope it'll settle and we'll see we'll see how the next few weeks go but i would say that this week i'm just so tired in fact i'm kind of i'm recording this voice memo while still uh lying in bed i'm gonna have to wake up soon because i have a bunch of meetings i have to do a few Thanks for my research, but I'm so tired, so tired. I'm Dr. Ethel Tunkohan, an associate professor of politics at York University. This is Academic Aunties. Welcome to season four. We've got a really great season planned for all of you, but I gotta tell you, coming back from sabbatical, I'm so tired. I feel like the school year has been going on for months on end and I'm just really tired. But I feel like a lot of people are feeling this too. So for this first episode of season four, let's check in with our producer extraordinaire, Dr. Nisha Nath. Hi, Nisha. Hi, Ethel. So how's it going? It's going. <laughs> it's definitely going okay i mean i think you know just listeners can't see your facial expression but there was like a sigh there <laughs> <laughs> and i think you're mirroring how i'm feeling one thing we've decided to do listeners is we've decided to ask a few academic aunties to send in voice memos where they share how the first week of term has gone for them have a listen Friday afternoon. My kids will be coming home very soon after what I think has been a really good week. First week for them. This morning when I was pouring my second cup of coffee at around 7.30, I realized that all week long I'd been assessing how the week had gone based on their happiness and satisfaction. It's been a week of very early mornings, very late nights, but I actually think the first week of September, the most inhumane month, starts in mid-August with planning, anticipating schedules, dealing with our first bout of COVID, buying supplies, making sure we have enough masks, managing anxieties and worries, registering for activities. And this is all baseline stuff. Planning drop-offs and pickups and changing plans and sending each other calendar invites to figure out how the year will work, organizing lockers, organizing binders, trying to remember how to use combination locks, putting in my agenda that I have to teach my child how to take notes. 
but I'm not struggling for food. I do think we accrue the stress from every prior year, including the years we went to school, carrying it all with us into the next, even when things go well. And maybe it wouldn't feel so stressful if we didn't know that there is so much we have to brace ourselves for within the academe. My phone is an emergency alert system. All of my son's teachers are posting his work into the online portal, so I'm getting notifications from his email, probably a good 10 in the last 15 minutes. Plus, I'm getting notifications from my online portal as all my students are sending in their work, plus a general increase in institutional emails that always awaken old wounds. My phone has now become the repository for four different schedules, all of which I have a stake in, and at least three of which I feel compelled to manage. I will master all grade seven subjects and am wondering when our grade four teacher will give us our drop everything and inquire project schedule so I can put those deadlines into my calendar nested amidst my own. Yesterday during a break, from reading and editing a thesis, looking for journal reviewers, and trying to figure out how to finish just one writing commitment. I read the audition directions for my children's school, spent five minutes practicing the audition song for James and the Giant Peach, five minutes testing out the monologue, and another five figuring out the video audition, and I can't even get a part. So I started off the morning at 6.30 and made the poor decision to look at myself through the magnification mirror as if after I washed my face. And it's no wonder my amazing daughter gave me a handmade squishy she makes from paper and cotton balls that I'm to squeeze during moments of stress. And yesterday she looked at me with her big brown eyes and said, you need self-care too, mom. So I'm with all of you because I am everywhere and nowhere at once. But we'll make it through. Oh, Nisha, how are you? <laughs> um, well, last night I was working on remembering how to do long division with decimals. <laughs> And did you know that after that decimal, you don't actually, when you have to drop down the zero, you don't add a zero up top. Anyhow, I am feeling quite accomplished with everything that <laughs> I have to do now, um, which is a very big spin um, in terms of how I'm really fe feeling, which is tired. Um, how about you? How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. I just, I feel like, I don't think I can sustain myself with this pace, though. I think something's mm. going to break. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think the first thing uh, that strikes me is that, you know, September is just such a, a cruel month that we repeat over and over and over again. And I, I wonder if there are different ways to do it, because I think you're right. Like, you don't start um, replenished and... Something always does break every year, um, yet we keep doing it over and over and over again. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm trying to listen to what everyone's saying and searching for ways that we can 
stop or or can break through? Because I think sometimes we make a lot of concessions to Mm. the demands of the institution. And I'm trying for myself to recognize what those concessions are. But I'm kind of curious if that's something that you are trying to intentionally do as you move into September or you're in September as we're halfway through it. I think the word concessions is perfect. I was actually just thinking that last year I felt like I had a bit of a reprieve because I was on sabbatical. Even then I had a lot of requests, but I was like, okay, this is a little bit slower, but that's fine. Um, But this year in particular with this forced return to quote unquote normal, Mm. it seems to me as though the demands, at least those coming my way have increased. I feel like these demands are in some cases rudely made. Do you know what I mm. mean? Because mm. it seems as though the perception is, well, you were on sabbatical last year. Thus, now it's time for you to come back and play your part, right? And so for me, I feel like I need to remember the lessons that we've talked about on academic antis and remember what my purpose is, right? And what's hard um, is that you you oftentimes get swept away and you lose sight of your purpose because as the demands come, as the requests come, as the pressures come, it's hard to pause and take a step back and think, wait, is this actually a demand that's urgent or mm. are you inflicting a false sense of urgency? Mm. And so that's where I am. And I think for mm. me, it's useful to have this conversation because then we can pivot to reminding ourselves of what actually is important versus what the institution says is important. You know what I mean? I love what you just said about like reminding oneself what the purpose is. Um, So like the purpose of like our work, the purpose of our workload, who we are doing this work for and what they would want, like how they would want us to do this work. Right. So I think that, I actually wonder if that is something that I personally, throughout this whole season of Academic Antis, will be searching for, how people are articulating what their actual purpose is in this and how that can be confronting to the institution. I always sort of forget that the first week is a bit of a strange experience, but this time has been a slightly worse because I'm in the middle of packing up my house to move uh, in a month. So I haven't been sleeping because I've been doing a lot of that. But now that the semester has started, it has been just grabbing sleep every once in a while. And also I think I think that I'm, oh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not worried about my courses. I've taught these courses before, but my stomach's kind of not feeling great, so because I'm maybe nervous. Yeah, not tons of sleep, not eating well, um, getting through it, but it's a lot. And I also realize that students take a lot of energy. Admin takes a lot of energy. I'm program director um, currently, so more admin than normal. I just feel like I used to try to carve out some time for myself, but that hasn't really worked. So yeah, it's it's been okay, but I think 
like a lot of people. It's just, it's tiring, it's a bit of a wrench. It's also just, if you have anything else going on in your life, um, it is hard. I mean, what can we do to remind ourselves not to get swept up in the rush of the everyday, in the face of so many demands, right? And I'd like to also highlight that not all of us face the same demands, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when I complain about my inbox, which by the way, listeners, I've lost control of my inbox. If you have emailed me, I just, I mean, it's it's there somewhere. I don't know. I can't even open my inbox. I just, I can't. I mean, I, I open it in my <laughs> inbox, I read it, but it's a source of great stress. It's just, I've lost control. So I fully admit to that. But one thing I want to stress though, is that we're stressed out, but I think the demands on on Black, Indigenous, and women of color in particular are intensified, right? Like, so as, um, you know, our frequent friend of the podcast, Deborah Thompson says, we may Mm -hmm. have the same job title, but we don't have the same jobs. Mm -hmm. So going back to the question, how do we remind ourselves not to get swept up? What can we do? Because Nisha, honestly, September 12th, I'm like, I can't sustain this pace. Mm -hmm. By the time winter break rolls around, I will be like a husk of a human if this this pace continues. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I have a few different reactions to that. So first is that, I mean, I guess the fix isn't that we manage it because it's, right, right? it's it's structural and it's systemic. So that puts a lot of pressure on us, right, To, to be the people that are somehow just becoming better time managers or being better at saying no or all of those things. So I think there's a component of that that feels important to me. But then there is the reality, right, that we we do have to, to manage our day-to-day in terms of trying to preserve ourselves and then ideally create a situation where we can thrive. So, you know, maybe part of it is what you know, we do in various circles in terms of collective interventions for each other to say no. I think there are other more systemic things that we might start to think about, especially depending on our, our position. So how are we how are we talking about workload in our work, right? You've had some brilliant guests here recently who have talked about to me, what I hear is how they've redefined what counts as work. So talking to your colleagues, that's part of your work, to engage mm. in conversation, go to coffee, you know, having those relationships. That's actually part of our work. It is. But it's the part that we push aside because we have other things to do. But that's the part that can feed us and nourish us and and keep us in. So I wonder if there is a conversation to really draw from Rita DeMoon's work about workload that we might also be having that balances the individual, but then also those kind of structural forces. Absolutely. And I think that was Lucy, Lucy Mablin, who actually was so brilliant in talking about administrative creep Mm -hmm. and how, honestly, some of the asks that we receive don't really matter. And so we could exercise our judgment and be like, "Mm, no, not going to do that. Right. And just not respond to that request. Right. Because it just kind of adds busy work, which we don't really have to do, but it takes up time. And I think, yeah, it's a reminder to 
to prioritize the parts of our job that are pleasurable, that do give us joy, that oftentimes we discount because they don't necessarily lead to, to a tangible outcome. Like a coffee date doesn't necessarily lead immediately to something, right? It's mm-hmm. an exchange of ideas and that's fine. That's what we do. That is our jobs. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. I also like the reminder that we can't hack our way out of it because then it individualizes the problem. Right. Because prior to us logging on, I was like, shoot, is there a way for me to reconfigure my outlook so it can like sift through? <laughs> there is a way, right? Anyway, so we can sift through the messages in order of priority because right. every time I open my inbox, it's like, Bleh. it's like an avalanche yes. of emails. Some of which, honestly, this is so shady, but some of which, because people know that my inbox is getting clogged, they mm. put in time sensitive. And of course I open it and oh, I'm like, oh yeah. dude, this is not time sensitive. Stop saying right. it's time sensitive when it's not time sensitive. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, anyway, but, but the point is you can't hack your way out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the problems are structural and systemic. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a useful reminder. It is the last day of the first week of school. My daughter just turned four years old on Tuesday and it was her first day uh, of school and also her first day at her new after school program. Plus she had birthday parties and on the weekend and also a family member passed away on the weekend. And my course load has doubled for this year at university. So it's been a really intense week, a total emotional roller coaster ride for both my daughter and myself getting ready for school and transitioning. And also the whole family already recovering from being sick from her new after school care program. So we're kind of bracing for a fall where we know the COVID rates are going up again and there's no COVID protections anymore. We also have friends that have COVID right now. So that's a huge complicating factor knowing that we don't have any resources to prepare for the inevitable sicknesses coming our way on top of our very busy schedules so yeah it's a lot you know just every day I wake up trying to think how can I make this day more manageable how can I try to do less things or take less time to do these things what's the quickest way of managing this and getting this done which is not inspiring for great research or pedagogy or parenting but it just seems like It's a survival thing that we have to approach things this way because there's just too much going on and there's not enough support. I'm curious, I'm curious though for you, because you do do a lot. And I remember when we were talking about this conversation and we were talking a little bit about rest, I was like, I feel like a traitor if I have this conversation (laughs) around rest, because I am like a traitor to rest and that I don't do it. And I have lots of excuses why I don't do it. And so I'm kind of curious if you, who I, I know is a person who doesn't take a lot of rest, if you also have excuses you make that that are like triggers for you to be like oh if I say this this is an excuse that I'm making to make a concession to the institution so for example if that doesn't make sense for example I always tell myself okay I'm very slow I work very slow I write slow 
I, I'm a slow thinker, and that's why I need to work so much, because I can't fit it all in into the, the same time period. But that's actually not the case, right? Mm. I'm here because of how I think and how I work. So I'm curious if you have those kinds of things that you can watch for, that you do, that steal your time. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I actually thought I've been able to rest more. Like I thought in this podcast, like, oh, have I failed there? <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, like, I feel like, mm. you know, Ethel before academic aunties is not Ethel mm. today, right? Mm. Like, Ethel before we started academic aunties was someone who aspires to get the gold stars, right? Mm. Who actually, in some ways, even as she critiques the institution, still believes in merit. So I'm like, I got to amass as many gold stars and I know that we have to work twice as hard to get half as much, but I'm going to work three times harder mm. to get what I need because that's what immigrant women have to do. That's mm -hmm. what Asian women have to do. Right. And then after, you know, the institution forgot to send up my tenure file, then mm. I realized that rules that are made actually shift the goal pull shift when when it's a person of color who is mm -hmm. being evaluated, right? That kind of led to my breaking moment. And then I started to pivot and think about rest. I started to box. I started to, you know, prioritize like having coffees at my, mm. at my deck and reading, right? But I think what's happening now is that I need to go back to that. Right. Because I'm getting swept up again in the demands of the institution. And so... I've heard you say that actually, Nisha, when you say, oh, I'm just really slow and I want to be mm. like, no, stop. Right. You know, you are brilliant because you're intentional. It's not meant to be an apology. I think for me, where I have to catch myself is when I say things like, um, you know, I use the neoliberal terms like I can't do that now, but let me pivot to that mm. when da, 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 da. So right. I kind of make a promise for paying attention to something when I have time, even though that time is not really there. I'm just kind of sneaking in, sneaking it in the edges, such as after my kids have slept and I'm just, mm. or even I'm on my iPhone and trying to write a paper on my iPhone because my kid's not asleep yet. Right. Right. That's not healthy. Is it? None of it the stuff that healthy. we're doing. Yeah. I've been talking to colleagues about how frustrated I am with September because September, I, th I think August, September, and October seem to be uh, the months in which funding agencies, the university, departments, the faculty, and other academic-related institutions set their deadlines to uh, have various documents and various proposals submitted. So in addition to restarting the school year, which for me means starting my school year, but also my three kids school year and the activities and uh, the obligations that are associated with that and coaxing them back into school. <laughs> that also means that I have tons of, of deadline, I've, deadlines. I often feel like September is a mini hazing month where everybody kind of gets into this mode of thinking that everybody has their needs and everybody's needs have to be met in September. You know, if we want to sustain the academic year, we probably want to distribute some of these things 
over the, the year so that um, faculty members are not completely exhausted by the end of September. Like many of my colleagues, I commute, and like many of my colleagues, September is also the month where sleep disturbances start bothering me. I have chronic insomnia, but it always seems to get a little bit worse around the beginning of the academic year. And I have felt worse. I feel okay, though this week I'm a little bit tired because I want to meet graduate students. So I stay a little bit later to meet with them. So there's a lot of social interaction in between meetings and classes and writing sessions. I'm enjoying it. But what I've had to do in order to be in this quite a bit cheery mood compared to what I thought I was going to be around this stage of the semester is that I've had to let go of the expectation of being able to respond to emails quickly. I am increasingly becoming known as somebody who is unresponsive to some emails and some messages because I'm trying to maintain a balance of what is absolutely imperative in the moment, a balance of engaging with my colleagues that I in my department that I love and I, I enjoy being around and with the students. And sometimes emails have the sense of urgency about them. Everybody has an emergency and it's not possible to address all these emergencies in a timely manner. Now, if I choose to be more responsive in emails, that means that I interrupt a lot more of my workday. So sometimes I will respond to my emails and put a dead stop on when I'm stopping to respond emails for the day, which means that sometimes my emails accumulate. That has been actually the only strategy that I found that has allowed me to have the energy to do the rest, in addition to, of course, maintaining a routine that allows me to move my body so that my brain can remain sane. Part of what I've been reflecting on is how so many of us as women of color, and you've you've raised us as you've raised this as, you know, coming from immigrant families, have a particular ethos when it comes to work, right? Or a kind of diligence when it comes to work. And so I think it's it's also in my mind reframing where and when I am doing that work. Like mm-hmm. if I am if I am, you know, I work at home. So if I am upstairs and I happen to wash the dishes and I'm thinking about, you know, something pertaining to my research, that's part of my work, mm. right? So I think I think I'm wondering how you are managing all of those multiple demands upon your time and how you see that fitting with your with your work especially as you think ahead beyond September. I think there's nothing that's quite deliberate about how I'm managing it because I feel like I'm not managing it. Like, I feel like it's because we don't have time to be intentional and to pause that that's the issue for me, right? Because in the course of the everyday, it's not even just demands made by the institution. It's also like, you know, if childcare responsibilities, family care responsibilities, community responsibilities, where as we will talk a little bit more about in the next episode of Academic mm-hmm. Anties, a lot of us feel that we are faced with a multi-headed hydra where we have to 
solve this problem and then another and then another. And it's just so exhausting. But I also think, you know, I feel like these demands will never stop. We Mm. actually just have to, you know, reprioritize and recenter our health. Like these demands will never stop the the need to hustle, the demands and the pressures to hustle will never cease. It's actually important for us to actually just say though, knowing mm-hmm. that you don't want to kind of wear yourself thin trying to meet all of these demands because these demands just not are just not mm-hmm. going to stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wonder too, if one of the things where we can intervene is, is in the demands that we make of each other or how we make those asks too. Right. Because we are part of that circle or that ecology of, 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 how demands are getting made or framed or all of that. So, you know, I think about, about what we ask of each other. Like, how, how do we engage in that, huh. um, in those requests to each other and make space and expectations of each other that will say no or will ask for more time or will do it differently? That's a really good point. How do you think we should reframe our asks? Because the thing is, the nature of the job is we yeah. do have to ask people to do things. That's academia, right? We've got to ask mm-hmm. people to write a letter or do a review. Right. But how can we do it humanely and also recognizing the limitations that people have in terms of their bandwidth? Like, mm-hmm. what do you suggest? I don't know. I think that's <laughs> something that I, but I mean, I think it's a, it's something that I grapple with because I think sometimes we talk about these systems and institutions as separate from ourselves, but of course they aren't. We make them, right? So we're obviously implicated in how they get reproduced. So, you know, whether that be, you know, entrenching more time, right? So if you are asking somebody to complete something and it has a certain timeline if you if you're like no we need to systematize that it's a it it's you know eight weeks that is standard as opposed to four or you know I, I just wonder if there are ways that we can claim more time and then make those expect expectations normal for each other I actually just had an epiphany Mm. as you were talking, Nisha, which is why I love talking to you. You're so brilliant. (laughs) No, in all honesty, one of the things that was a source of stress and anxiety for me in my sabbatical Mm. year was I would say yes to these projects because I want to support people who were asking me to be part of these projects. But then in certain instances, I felt like the deadlines would be like, okay, well, now we need... I, we need you to give this back in two weeks. And I'm like, right. wait, what? <laughs> right. So I think a caring approach would be before you even approach contributors, for right. example, for a project or whatever, you yourself as the organizer should build in enough time so people who have commitments or who have emergencies won't have to produce something in two weeks. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, and also making clear what the timelines are beforehand, knowing that it could change. Right. Right. But at least then people can put it on their calendars rather than being like, sorry, like, you know, we want this out because a lot of the people 
who are contributing in this project need this for your files, which fair enough, right? But it's also like, right, but you just gave me two weeks notice and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just going to be really hard for me to do. And so, and so, you know, it's just kind of building in enough time for people to, to, you know, accommodate your requests. And also more importantly, extending grace to each other, right? Yes. And sometimes I feel like that's lacking. I've, I've been on the receiving end, not me personally, but Mm -hmm. I've been part of these email chains where it's like, there's like a reprimand built in. It's like, actually, Mm. as a reminder, we're all scholars here. Right. Like, and I'm just like, you know, yeah. And so, yeah. What other suggestions do you have? I don't know. I mean, the other thing, I guess, like, even as you were just talking, I was like, okay, thinking about time, thinking about like, you know, where we think about things critically too. And I, and I'm thinking about like, okay, there's a reason why everything is coming crashing together in September. So what can we do Mm. to not contribute to that? Mm -hmm. Right. So, so why does the, like everybody is returning right after summer. I just wonder too, if there is a way to think about our workload and workflow beyond our, our individual day, day to day, but to think about it collectively, like is September the best time Mm. to be expecting everybody to, you know, hand in this review or, you know, hand in this, you know, chapter for a manuscript or like maybe there there is there are other ways for us to be thinking about pushing back against that kind of logic because it's it's a lot of stress it has a huge impact on our mental health um there are so many other things that we can't control about september um and i wonder if that is another place that we can start to think about well what do these months mean for our health um, and the pace of life. I love it. And I think as the season progresses, maybe that's something we can workshop and think about with our Mm. guests, right? Because I think that these are important reminders for us as the year, you know, progresses. And I think for me, um, you know, it's actually thinking about institutions as not loving me. I mean, it's become trite at this point, but... I think for me, it's remembering that despite institutional imperatives to produce, 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 the flip side to that is that institutions, if they find you unworthy, will discard you in a second, right? Mm -hmm. And I think as someone who, you know, was trained in the hustle and is still (laughs) trying to unlearn the hustle, I need to stop thinking that my career and my personal success is tied to the institutions. Do you know right. what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, that relates to what you started us off with. Like, what's the purpose of our work? Right? It's not to reproduce the institution. It's not to be in relationship to the institution. So, I don't know. That feels like, to me, again, something that I'll be looking to all of the guests this year to think about how they're articulating that purpose and who they're in relationship with. That's the perfect segue to thinking about our next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so excited. Yes. Um, so listeners, our next episode, we will have the feminist killjoy herself, <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Ahmed, coming to talk to us about 
being feminist killjoys and also that conversation addresses uh, institutions and how we need to remember that institutions are actually not where liberation is, right? Like that's just a hint of some of the mm-hmm. conversational pathways we went on. Ooh, and I've heard a sneak peek of that that conversation and it is not to be missed. There is so much that I've personally taken away from that. And then also in her book, the Feminist Killjoy handbook that is coming out to coincide with that episode as well. Absolutely. And we are going to have a Feminist Killjoy book club. And we hope that people can pipe in uh, either via email or even via Twitter or Blue Sky or, gosh, I don't even know how many social media sites we threads. have. Threads. <laughs> threads. Yes. Are we, we are on threads, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we're also on Instagram now. Um, you can pipe yes. in with uh, your thoughts and feedback with respect to the book. So we have an awesome season ahead. Before we close, Nisha, what advice will you give our listeners who are going through the September rush and are just really effing stressed out? This feels like a trick, Ethel. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I mean, you know what I would just say? If you're listening to this right now, I would just, and this is something my dear Rita DeMoon has asked me and others at various points. Have you had a glass of water? Have you had a stretch? Mm. Can you go just take a walk? Mm. How about you, Ethel? Any advice? That's perfect, actually. And I'm not going to give advice because I feel like that's perfect, actually, because I haven't taken a walk. I haven't Mm. had a stretch. Mm. I've had coffee, but not water, (laughs) which is probably why I'm kind of shaky right now. (laughs) Fair. I understand that. (laughs) Uh, thank you listeners and tune in this season we have a lot of awesome episodes ahead and that's academic aunties stay tuned for our next episode when we have the brilliant the amazing the inspirational Sara Ahmed as we mentioned we're going to talk to her about her new book The Feminist Killjoy Handbook and then later this fall We're going to have a Feminist Killjoy book club conversation to talk about our reactions to the book. So here's what we'd love for you to do. Go to academicantis.com slash killjoy to pre-order the book. Then listen to our conversation with Sara Ahmed in two weeks. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast app to make sure you know the second the episode drops. It'll be great. Today's episode was hosted by me, Dr. Ethel Tunkohan, and was produced by myself, Wayne Chu, and Dr. Nisha Knapp. We're online at academicantis.com and on social media. Tune in next time when we talk to more academic aunties. Until then, take care, be kind to yourself, and don't be an asshole.